What's up, everyone? Welcome to Creator Support, the show where we answer your questions about the business of being a creator. Today on the show, we're gonna be talking about what we learned from breaking the laws of YouTube. We're also gonna weigh in on whether we think X can actually become the everything app. And then we touch on YouTube stalking. What do we think about that? All right, if you make it to the deep end, let us know. Welcome back, everybody. It's been six weeks since we sat in these chairs, Colin. Feels way longer than that. Does it? I feel like an alien in this seat. Speaking of aliens. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> so much has like, happened. We yeah. go away for a few <laughs> weeks so and then yeah. aliens. Yeah. They're here. Well, okay. We're not going to talk about that on today's episode, but I, wow. it's funny that you brought it up. We haven't even talked about that because we haven't been in the same room in a, in a few weeks. Um, but hello, everyone. Welcome back to Creator Sport. Today, we are going to talk about some YouTube laws that we broke while we were on our break. Broke while we were on our break. We we broke laws, but not in the Kaisenat sense, like in the sure. in the Colin Inciting and Samir, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, Colin yeah, and Samir yeah, yeah. sense. We're not going to court. <laughs> we don't know. Let's tell you the laws we broke first, uh, and then we're also going to share some lessons that we learned from our break, from taking a break on YouTube. How we're going to apply those um, in the future. We're going to answer some of your questions from Discord, uh, and we're going to get into so much news that we missed. All right, so it's let's, good to be back. Let's confess. All right, the first law that we broke uh, was just kind of fully messing with our weekly upload schedule and just upload schedule in general um, by taking a break and taking an honest break. And this is both on the main channel and on Creator Sport. And on this channel, yeah. And I think uh, that's been something we've toyed with because we follow two different law sets of laws, right? We have to follow the laws of podcasting and the laws of YouTube. And that what's really interesting is our show's at the intersection of those two things. The laws of podcasting as a podcast consumer is like, don't mess with my routine, right? Because like your show is a part of my routine and messing with upload schedules messes with that. How that applies to the laws of YouTube is just like the lack of uploading, it, it, at least from what I've seen, kind of like really takes a toll on the, ch or can take a toll on the channel and also can lose some momentum with the audience when you're building a routine-based show like this one. Mm -hmm. The reality is if you look back, over the last three, four years, we've actually done best when we've hit one episode per week yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And that's been hard for us to do. I think the most we've done it maybe is like two months yeah. max. But Except on this channel. Yeah, this channel, yeah. Creator Sport, with this show, we've Pretty consistent, yeah. but we finally broke right. that we law. Broke. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the reality is, people always ask that question, like, should you be consistent, quantity, quality, that type yeah. of thing? We have found that consistency, at least for us, has grown our channel. We've up-leveled every time mm -hmm. that we're able to batch and go like four to eight episodes every week, we come out in a better place. Yeah. I will say, um, you know, in breaking this law, when we were first starting out on YouTube, when we would break this law, I would think that the sentence was like the death sentence, right? Like it was the death sentence for your channel. Uh, but luckily in our mid thirties now, we have learned that it is not the death sentence. You can break this law. Um, you can conjure up momentum, but it is a reality. It's a trade-off like momentum and compound interest of like viewers and, and audience is really important on YouTube. We broke that law. The next one I broke by myself sitting in a hotel room in London. What was this? Uh, our last title and thumbnail on this channel. Oh. I had, I just was looking at the thumbnail we made and I was just like, this just doesn't feel right to me. And probably after traveling for a few weeks, just being out fully out of the YouTube world, I was like looking at a thumbnail and I was just like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. So and, we recorded one episode of Creator yeah, Support in while London. we were in London. Mm -hmm. And really it was all about threads. Yeah. Threads versus Twitter. 
X. We probably should have used a thumbnail that had to do with Twitter and threads. Like, you know, if you were going to follow best practices, if we were going to make sure yeah. our audience knew the value they may get out of the episode, yeah. you would title it and thumbnail it around what was in the episode, which was a conversation about Twitter and threads. It feels like a, uh, you're an accusation no, right no, now. No. It's I think it's accusatory. Great. I love it. Go for it. <laughs> the title that Samir went with was Colin I, is on vacation, so we don't have a thumbnail. Yeah. And it and was I, just a screenshot. <laughs> it wasn't even a screenshot. Which, I just had YouTube pick it. It YouTube was whatever you yeah. So YouTube picked it and I just looked at it and I was like, ah, that's a violation. It's a violation. Yeah. Right? You're I'm not telling the long. audience yeah. what's in there. You're basically saying only watch this if you are a fan of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're down for yeah. whatever is inside. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was a wild move, but I was feeling rebellious. Yeah, whatever. You know, traveling in Europe for a bit. Uh, and the last thing is just kind of recently, um, and even in London, you know, we had a lot of choices of, of what to do, what to, what, that, uh, what we could prioritize uh, in terms of episodes. And the thing that I think we're finding that we're getting into is optimizing and, and valuing things that we really enjoy, conversations that we really enjoy versus things that will work, that we know are sure shot, right? There's, there's, there's episodes that we know are sure shot, even, even, you know, creator sport episodes that we can title in a certain way to be like, that's going to do well. But recently I've been feeling like I just want to do the things that are fun. You know, and that that is a bit of a violation because it's like you're you're playing. Look, this is a no Listen, fun zone. I know there's a, there's a flag down on the field for this, but um, you can of course have fun in growing. Like growth is super fun, but I think I oscillate between like almost being allergic to knowing something will work. You know, so those are the violations we broke. Now we're gonna get into some lessons. My first one came from a conversation that was recorded. You guys will hear this uh, with the manager of the Sidemen, Jordan Schwarzenberger. We were talking and everything he was talking about when it came to the Sidemen was about in-person experiences. You know, we talked a lot about the Sidemen charity match, which sold 62,000 tickets in an hour. And looking at some of those visuals and then thinking about the fact that they opened a restaurant, they opened a retail store and recognizing that some of it didn't make like the most business sense, right? But it was a really good in-person experience. And even being in London, we got to not have an office, which meant that we were just interacting in offline experiences. And uh, what I wrote down is, is one of the biggest lessons. I think offline experiences will become increasingly more important in the coming years for creators of all types, but also just for human beings. Mm -hmm. You know, I think like uh, ensuring that you have a really fruitful offline life so that you can have a very interesting online presence, I yeah. think is, is unbelievably important. My first point is completely in line with that. I wrote, if I don't move, I'm being a bad creative. Right. And right. I just realized while we were in London, moving throughout the city outside every day, how much happier I was, how much more interesting I even just found this career at times and the conversations we were having. Like, I think as a creative, if you have the opportunity, you have to get outside. Yeah. And I'm even thinking today, like after we record this, I need to get out of this office. I can't go back to the way it was and just come in here for eight hours and basically not leave. Like, right. I really want to structure my life in a way where I have to get out of the office. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's because our show is like this set right here. This is our production. A lot of creators, their production is like going to do things. Yeah. Right. Like Jimmy's last episode was stranded at sea for seven days. That's actually like an experience he's going to have, which 
looked like it sucked, but he's, you know, he's out on a raft and having an experience. You think about Yes Theory, like their last episode in Lebanon, they traveled to Lebanon to go film that. We are different creatives in that we sit here as, as our whole production, which means that because we're not going to experience the world in our content, we have to go experience it and then sit down here and talk about it. Um, my next one was that YouTube and entrepreneurship is a roller coaster. Being uncomfortable with the ups and downs is like deciding to go on a roller coaster and wondering why it's not just a smooth ride. If you're in this for the long haul, you signed up for the ups and downs. Um, and I write that because like my fear in taking a break was all about the downs, right? I was mm. like, oh, the numbers go gray. We lose momentum. You know, I'm away from it. I'm not constantly working on it. But then you realize, even if you're constantly working on it, there's ups and downs. It's just a it's just a roller coaster. It goes up, down, sideways, upside down. Like in 12 years, if there's anything I've learned, it's that this is a roller coaster and I've signed up to be on it. So I can just walk off the roller coaster for a bit, chill out, and then I'm jumping right back on. I also find that right now, I can't attach the roller coaster to the names and faces of people we're having on the show. No, no, you cannot. Yeah, It just is so, like, I can't even yeah. look at metrics the same anymore because, yeah, I know if we have Mr. Beast on, it's going to do millions of views. Yeah. Some people you're going to have on, it's not going to do millions of views. Yeah. It'll do 50 to 100. But, like, these are human beings that we're choosing to have conversations with. It's not yeah. like you and I are brainstorming a concept or an idea. Right. And then we're going and experiencing something. And then maybe it's, like, a much truer reflection yeah. of how interesting that idea was to people on YouTube. But right now it's like, look, we're having conversations with people. I can't like look at the YouTube studio and be like, well, oh, that person really delivered me a 10 out of 10. <laughs> right. Like, that, that's what I was saying of like optimizing for things that we are having fun with rather than things that will work all the time. That's like, to me, the, the most important part of this next chapter is just like, if we're going to do this for a long time, that has to be at the forefront. Yeah. My number two was when we were on Ali Abdal's podcast. Yeah. And- it was at his office, and just the way it ran and the way it went was so similar to our show. Yeah. And then we were talking after and realizing that that's just a small part of what he does. Like, sure. he has set up a process and a team to make that just a sliver. Like, his interview show, Deep Dive, is a part of what he does. Mm. For us, it's kind of our everything yeah. right now. And I walked away from that realizing, oh, I kind of want our show to be a part of what we do. I don't want it to be right now everything. And of yeah. course, we have creator support and we do speaking and we do all types of things. You don't things. have to qualify it. That could but be the thing. I yeah. walked away feeling like, okay, I would like this show, the, the interview show, to be like, at least from a process perspective, part of what we do so that I open up mind, mind share and space yeah. for other things. Mm -hmm. All right, my number three. Uh, I heard some version of this, but I don't, I, I don't know who it's from or where it's from, um, but I heard it while I was on my trip. Success is when you stop trading today for tomorrow. So I, I made this realization when I was walking around London on the last day you had left and I was alone for a day before I flew back. Um, and I just put it in my headphones and just walked. And I just walked aimlessly. Like I walked out of the hotel and just started walking. And I saw parts of London that I had never seen, even though we were there for almost a month. Um, and I thought about how much in my 20s I wanted to travel Europe. Like my dream was to put on a backpack and just go. And I never let myself do it because I was like, I'm working today. I'm busting my ass in my 20s so that I can do it. And now, I mean, this week I'm turning 34. I realized I never did it <laughs> because I was always thinking that I was trading this moment for that moment 
and that was a worthy trade, but then I never actually cashed in. Yeah. You know, like I, I never, I never got to a point where I was like, okay, that's enough. And now I can cash in on that experience. Fully. But I also had the realization when I was there that how amazing is it that I'm here at age 34. That we're doing it now. Yeah. With a, with a purpose. Like yeah. Moving throughout totally. the city, meeting people that are ready to receive us with an objective. Mm -hmm. I felt like I totally got to feel comfortable in London mm -hmm. from nine days of uh, having a purpose there. Yeah. Whereas sometimes I, I would assume, I never did the backpacking traveling thing either, that like you're kind of traveling with maybe less of an objective, which sure. still can be really fun and interesting. But I was very grateful in that moment to be like, wow, for my career, yeah. in my 30s, I am in London moving around and people are like excited to see me and I've got things I'm excited to yeah. do. Like it was just so interesting. But I mean, I'd say that's largely why I booked the tickets to London because I was just like, I just, at some point I have to, do it. Yeah. Like I have to just go do the experiences I've wanted to do. And yeah, we're lucky that we've built a career that allows us to do that now. But if we don't do it now, you know, what are we doing? <laughs> at yeah, least yeah. for me, I'm like, mm -hmm. I have to stop trading today for tomorrow at some point mm -hmm. and just be like, what sounds fun today? Totally. Um, which is, it's just an important realization. There was a quote that I wrote down as well that, that I heard, I shared this with Ali Abdal because I think he, sh he's the one who shared it with me. Um, it's from Alex Hermosi. He said, in my 20s, I wanted to be a millionaire. And when I became a millionaire, I wanted to be in my 20s. That quote is uh, painfully inspiring <laughs> yeah. as a man in his 30s. Yeah. Um, all right, those are my three. What's okay, your third? My, my last one was just a realization that I really like working on a creative campus. So yeah. we worked out at Tile Yard Studios, which was part of a bigger campus there in King's Cross in London. And there were... Uh, restaurants, cafes there. There were different types of media companies. And it just created like a really interesting environment to be in every day. And I feel like for us, we've gone through this evolution of like working out of a bedroom, working out of coffee shops, yeah. working out of our own office. And that was one of our first experiences of really working out of a creative campus. We used to say that Venice was like a creative campus mm -hmm. because like Yes Theory is right yeah, down yeah. there. There are other creators all over. Um, but actually today we are in here. Yeah, we're not really leaving this place because there are like different creators and different companies in our immediate surrounding. Sure. Uh, and that was a unique opportunity to get to spend a few days there and just experience that flow of new creative people coming in for different projects that we didn't have any part of. But how cool that we got to have conversations just with new people while we were there. Also cool because it was a music campus. True. Music, music is, cool. is cool. Yeah, music is cool. Yeah. There's something just like musicians walking around is like, even just immediately being, cool. Even just being music adjacent. Yeah, it's cool. It was like, am I involved? Am I a musician? Right. Maybe. Maybe. Speaking of music. Yeah. I had one of the greatest nights of my life recently, seeing the All-American Rejects at David Dobrik's 27th Man, birthday. I love All-American Rejects. <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, had a, uh, I don't know. I have nothing else to say about okay. it outside of it was like so fun, so cool, and really was like fulfilling a childhood dream of mine. Um, and the best part was that everyone was so, there's so many young people there, like early twenties who had absolutely no idea who that band was. Yeah. I um, saw them multiple times in high school. I yes, love all Super fun. Projects. All right. We're going to get to some. Can I bring up what I did on Saturday night? This Saturday night? Yeah. Yeah. I bought the Jake Paul, Nate Diaz fight. Oh, and you watched which it. Which is somewhat unexpected for me. That is unexpected for Unexpected for me. For yeah. Me. Uh, did you enjoy it? I tell you what, I grilled a steak. <laughs> oh my God. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Grilled a steak and... I watched the Jake Paul Nate Diaz. It was like the manliest yeah, night of my move. life. Did you like the fight? 
Yes, but okay. I think Jake Paul is at a point where he has to just fight real boxers. Yeah. Because I don't know if you I, saw I any the clips. No, I watched the highlights and it was a bit boring. Yeah. It, it was a bit boring because yeah. they were like fighting two different styles. Yeah, and I exactly. feel like Jake is actually good enough. When you watch him, it's like, whoa, this guy actually has decent technique and power. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's coming from someone who knows nothing about boxing. I just think it has to culminate in the KSI Jake Paul fight because that's like, like that's interesting. They both yeah. have such big audiences, and and I think you know he he had a Netflix piece Untold, which we both watched, which yeah. I thought was like it was cool, but I thought like I wanted more of a boxing doc out of it. Yeah, um, I just think he's like a he is a really good marketer, and it reminds me, it just constantly reminds me that this crop of people that's growing up on the internet right now, or as Ben of the Week said on our show, like the people who are chronically online, deeply understand how human beings react to things. And he understands how to get you to buy that fight. Like you would never buy a boxing fight. And it's I mean, not cheap. Man. It's not it's cheap. Crazy. And, and, and I could have just watched the highlights, but I was sitting there, and for some reason, I had you, to watch it live. You can watch it on X. You know, you can just be scrolling X, uh, refreshing X, just and just it, uh, Xing just all stop, over. Just stop. watching. That's the X. such a gripe of mine right now. And I understand that you just have to do it because it's the new name. What? But people it's who X, are dude. like, who are like, yeah, I was reading this post on X. I'm like, just call it a tweet, like. Right, it's called an. It's called I'm an, having a hard time. It's called believing. Zeet. It's called a Z. Uh, that that we're just gonna like live with this X thing. Now. I don't know what's about to happen. Twitter was like I, one of the most well-known brands of all time. That yeah. logo was iconic. Yes, was past tense. It's over. It's X. <sighs> it's everything. <laughs> it's an everything app. Should we get into this now? It just okay. feels like they like like if Do, Ferrari was like we're just gonna change our name to Cheetah. No, to just like, I don't know. Why? Why? Um, okay, so let's just quickly talk about Twitter and X. Um, so much has happened. I mean, it, it is very strange to have this like, this thing that has existed in our world in the creator economy all of a sudden be called something else. And you, you can feel that it is probably going to be something else. Like that move from Elon Musk to me was the move of him being like, this is not precious to me. Like whatever this experience is that you guys all love and have, it's not precious to me. I'll change it. Um, and his intention is obviously to create the everything app or in ev a US-based everything app. And we should talk about what an everything app is. The most notable everything app is in China and it's called WeChat. And if you travel to China, when I was younger, I, I would travel to China because my dad did some work out of there. And uh, it, it, over time, everyone communicated on WeChat. So I downloaded WeChat so that I could you know, talk to, to the people that we would work with there and, and our hosts and whatnot. Um, but then the, the last time I went to China, there was like an Uber equivalent and then it just was gone and it, you ordered cars through WeChat and you could order groceries through WeChat and you could post videos and share moments on WeChat and everything was happening in, in a singular app. Um, now, from what I've heard, there's also like a QR code you need via WeChat to get into uh, China, when you land there at the airport, I think that has to do with um, either vaccination or, or COVID, but they, they were able to, to build that in so that there's over 830 million people on WeChat. Mm. That's insane. Um, 19 million of those are in the US, but have ties to some business in China or something like that. Now, Elon Musk, when he merged with PayPal, Back in the day, he had a business called X.com, which was his concept of, you know, changing banking. He wanted it all to be like this payment system, this central bank that was called X. Um, he was overruled at PayPal and kicked out because he wanted to change PayPal's name to X. 
I don't know why he has this obsession with X, but he does. He has an open AI competitor called XAI. Mm -hmm. His son is named X. <laughs> you say, right? <laughs> he loves X. Yeah. Um, but this concept of an everything app kind of uh, changes the conversation around the creator economy, in my opinion, because we've had this conversation that everyone is a creator, right? Like every everyone actually posts something online. But when you when you start to combine all of it into a central place, if that actually works, which I have my doubts in the US that that would work, if Instacart is baked into X, if Uber is baked into X, if um, my bank is baked into X, um, I don't know how that will go over because I actually think here in the US, like Apple and Google, they're moving forward with essentially creating everything apps through their OS. Yeah, isn't iOS just an everything app? Right? Yeah. It's it's all there. It's just like more fragmented where when you get, you know, a phone, you have a ton of apps where you can make payments, you can call a car, you can, like, it, it is all happening there. Um, but there's like security knowing that for the most part, you believe the app store is like a open market right. where the best rises to the top. Right. Even the fact that like, who knows what's happening with our data, but just at least the fact that there's like, it's not all being controlled by one company, right, right. like the, it's segmented. It feels unrealistic uh, to me for an everything app to emerge here in the US. Um, it does. And, but I do think it changes like this, this concept that if, if it does, something like that does happen, then we as creators are just one part of that ecosystem. And building like an ecosystem rather than a singular brand is a very different thing that doesn't happen here. I'll be really interested if it happens, we had a conversation with with Elon Musk back in November, and I was just listening back to that and and uh, looking at my notes from that. And he was really uh, focused on creator monetization at the time. But the one thing that will stick with me uh, that he said at the top of that call was that he he wanted Twitter to be optimized for people not to leave Twitter. And he was talking about advertising, that the advertisements on the platform, if they were really good advertisements, would take you off the platform, mm -hmm. right? Like if you see a great ad, yeah. you click on it, now you're on a new website. So they're essentially optimizing for lower session times. Yeah. So now he wants the session time to be higher. He, wants, he wanted, he said this really int interesting line. I don't know if you remember this. He said, I want um, less regrettable minutes yeah. on my app which meant like every minute that you're on the app, you don't regret it mm -hmm. and you're just, you love it. And so I understand his mentality is like, how do I keep everyone in this ecosystem, in my ecosystem? I think it's an interesting thought when it comes to just advertising in general on these platforms, because that's not specific to Twitter that you're optimizing essentially, if you actually care about the advertising business that you're building and you want the ads to be better, you're essentially optimizing your platform for people to leave, whether it is Instagram, sure. YouTube, right. or whatever. And so it's interesting to think about what's a better version of advertising mm -hmm. that keeps people on the platform so that they're not necessarily yeah. at odds with each other. Because it does feel like in social media in general, ads can be at odds mm -hmm. with the content. Now, speaking of ads, uh, creator monetization is something that has been heavily talked about with X. It's so uncomfortable to call it X. Uh, but Just call it Twitter. I'm not. I'm going to call Just it call X. It I need to get used to it. You call it X, I'll call it Twitter. Fine. X. Ugh. So on X, 
uh, creator monetization was something that rolled out and there, it, it felt like a great marketing campaign where everyone was posting their dollar amounts. Like Mr. Beast posted $24,000. There were some people who got $1,000, some people got 3000 Who knows what that was actually based on? I think it, it was just like an, probably a rollout of monetization. Um, I think that needs to keep up. Like those payments, you need to see that on a recurring basis to care about it. The threshold is 15 million impressions in the past 90 days. I checked ours and we had 3.2 million impressions in the past 90 days. So it's not impossible. Like you, you recognize we, we don't think strategically about Twitter or X, like our presence on that platform. But if we did, if we started optimizing for impressions, we could get there. You can get to 5 million impressions a month. Um, and it's, it's a smart way to get people to care about it. Like monetization is going to be an incredibly smart, are, are incredibly uh, important play for them. Um, but I think if it starts to get muddled and you start to get all these different functions on X, X, we've never experienced you can't even that. Say it. I can't even say it, man. It's hard. X, it's so uncomfortable. It's one syllable, X. I wonder though if people really will take it seriously from a business perspective, considering how in flux it feels. Totally. Like, should I really dedicate time with the expectation that it will give me revenue back? Expectation? Let's get to our first Discord question. We should leave this, right? Okay, yeah. Well, actually, the last thing I'll say okay. is that threads- You've I got something extra, extra you'd like to add? Yeah, the biggest miss for me, with there was two big misses with threads, and I said it on the last episode. One was that it's not just a part of Instagram, and that's kind of going to this like everything app thing, but like- how would, how did they not just, I don't want to open another app. I, like I really don't. So maybe that makes an argument for an everything app because I'm sick of opening new apps. Right. Um, so like that should have been a part of Instagram where you swipe over and now you're in a text feed. I think that, and I think you should have been able to enter threads through the comment section. Instagram, call me if you want to talk about this. Uh, the second thing was the rollout was excellent. Like it was just like, boom, there's thread threads. Everyone's on it. The next week, they should have announced how creators make money on threads. They should have had a week two and week three plan. The fact that they just launched and then just let it die. What? Right? Yeah. <laughs> what? They didn't have a marketing plan for week two and week three and week four. Like you got to look at that over like a six week window and be like, okay, and the next week we're going to announce how creators are going to make money. And the next week we're going to announce like exclusive deals. And the next week we're gonna... just nothing. Yeah. I just don't know how much. Uh, value like society has put on a text app. Like I think, like obviously threads, I think if Twitter were to go away, I'm not even sure threads would be able to become a place that people go Fair. to on a regular basis and would be able to make money off of. I think the whole like just text thing may go away. Yeah, that's fair. And like maybe you're right. Maybe it just goes into the Instagram feed as like an option. Right. Maybe. All right, let's get to our uh, questions from the audience. This one comes from Joel Wood. I'm curious to hear Colin and Samir's opinion on YouTube stalking, specifically when another YouTuber tries to track down and give another YouTuber something that they may or may not even want and what that means for our current content path. I keep seeing these goofy videos where another person builds something or gives someone else something, and I can't say that I've ever really connected with these types of videos much. The only possible exception would probably be the last episode of the Penny series where Ryan Trahan gives Mr. Beast a huge penny, but I haven't actually seen a full series yet, so I can't comment. So I think there's a difference between stalking mm. and collaboration. Yes. Now, with a collaboration, you can definitely shoot your shot and like 
send out a tweet, send a cold email, and pitch yourself that you would like to deliver something, collaborate in some sort of way. We did it with Yes Theory, right? Mm -hmm. We sent out a tweet. We said, we're giving ourselves 24 hours to meet Yes Theory. If they didn't respond, By the way, this was years ago. This was years ago. Yeah, and I, years you ago. look back on yeah. that and you're like, that's, a, that's stalkery. That's a little weird. Yeah. But we sent out one tweet and then we sent an email. And we no, got- it happened in the DMs then. Yeah, the And then the does. DMs. Yeah, yeah. And so we sent out like three things and we got uh, confirmation back that was like, yes, I would like to meet you. Yeah. Had we not gotten that, there's no way I would have, or you and I would have suggested, let's keep going. Let's yeah, keep tweeting them. Agreed. Let's keep emailing them. Keep DMing. Let's try and show up at their house. I also want to clarify with Ryan Trahan and Mr. Beast, they are friends. And they, uh, like that was a conversation they had and an agreed upon collaboration. Jimmy set up like a finish line for him when yeah. he arrived in North Carolina. That was a agreed upon thing. It wasn't like a, hey man, I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna show up, you better be ready. Like yeah. Jimmy was waiting there for him to film that scene. So that is very different. I agree, we should make the very distinct difference between collaboration and stalking. stalking. Like, yeah. like something I don't, I don't wanna do that collaboration. If your arrival, or the thing you are sending or whatever it is, your collaboration is unexpected, it's most likely a disturbance. Yeah. Even I mean, if you think it's adding value. We had to move out of our last office because it, it was a bit too exposed. Um, and we did have times where, you know, we, we had a time where, where someone just walked in and was just like pitching themselves to us. They walked in and it was so odd to us that we thought that maybe they worked at the building because they just walked into our office and started talking. And they were like, hey, uh, I have a million followers on TikTok and here's why I should be on the show and we should do an interview. And I was so confused. I was like, what is going on? And then I remember Chris uh, stood up and he's like very tall and physically imposing. Mm -hmm. And he was like- He picked him up with one hand <laughs> by his no, ankle. but he really walked up and he was just like, you need to leave. And I remember in that moment, then I was like, oh, this guy just found us and walked in. And it was a really uncomfortable feeling and a very like, just like, I don't know. It just didn't feel good at all. It didn't feel right. And I think all creators should know who are trying to do something like that, how bad it feels being on the receiving side of a collaboration that you don't want to do, <laughs> yeah. you know, or like someone showing up randomly. It's not like endearing. It's not like, oh my God, thank God you came today. Yeah. It's like, hey, man, I'm I'm a human being who has something going on. You and just need confirmation from I have, the creator. I have boundaries. Like, I don't want you just showing up here. I'm not I'm not down to be in your thumbnail and your your video, um, unless I know you and I agreed. Yeah, and I think a lot of creators. You look at like ZHC. He would design all types of things for creators, but he had confirmation that they were sure. going to be in the video and receive it. Yeah, I, I think um, this culture has come largely because of the the concept of like social hacking, which is something we discussed when Eric first started and he did the couch series with Logan Paul. You know, there's some of some of his success in doing that, um, I think probably spread a lot to, to a lot of people and, and a lot of people may be misinterpreting what that meant for their own careers or Ryan with Mr. Beast. Like that is, again, maybe it doesn't seem like it, but they are friends, there's communication between them. Um, those are collaborations. So we saw something recently where someone on Twitter wanted to, it was like, I, I'm here in North Carolina. I want to give you something, Mr. Beast. And he, he tweeted back being like, go away. Like, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to be a part of that. Um, 
I didn't agree to that. And so I think um, as our space gets bigger and bigger, we don't have frameworks that traditional celebrities have. We don't have the same systems, right? If you're at the top, if you're Logan or Mr. Beast or Emma, like you have security or David, like you have security and you are you have that system. Most of us don't have that system. We just like have a space that we record and people probably can figure out where we are and then they just sometimes show up. Or there's videos where like, uh, you know, you, they're like DMing or calling celebrities until they pick up. And then you're like, <laughs> people figure out how to call. After that one video came out, I got so many phone calls. And I was like, I don't want these phone calls. I'm not excited if you call me. Mm -hmm. I'll stop calling. It's fine. Man. Look, just, yeah, you I'm, just I, have to tell I, me. I'm pretty passionate about this because I think, um, you know, I, I, I just hope this culture uh, stops because you can't really see it until you receive it. And when you start receiving it, you're like, this is weird. Yeah, it feels exploitative. Yeah. 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 I mean, my brother and dad had an experience too one time where someone just showed up to their office. And oh, like, yeah. They're like, like, I'm here for Samir. Yeah. And they were like, what? <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. So it's strange. It's strange. Opinion is don't do it. Final answer. You know, don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't do it. Collaborate. Yes. Build relationships. Yes. Don't stock. Don't be weird. Next question. All right. Advice on sponsorship placement. This is from Permanent Glue in our Discord. Um, company wants to put a passive logo placement in the background of my videos. Any ideas what to charge for this kind of thing? So he actually uh, screenshotted the email and, and put it in here. Uh, it says, hey, Jesse, how are you doing? We have one idea we want to discuss with you. We recently produced a series of posters and would love to place them in the background of your videos to test the ad format. What do you think of this idea? How much would it uh, cost to book 20 to 25 placements to be published before the end of 2023? The posters are designed to be natively placed in the background of the footage that you film. That's so interesting. I really like the idea of the product placement. Yeah. Especially if it's like obviously a product that you want to endorse, you actually use. It's just so unobtrusive to the story, which is really nice. And it's, we see this in movies yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's also legacy. Yeah. Um, it's like a historical advertising placement. I think it's, I think it personally, I think product placement is undervalued in our space. Like if you and I had a certain type of coffee mug or you and I wore a certain shirt every episode, yeah. right? It becomes a character in the universe um, in a way that I think, like you said, it, it's always a part of the story. It's never interrupting the story. Yeah. Uh, you have no idea how many jumpsuits I'm selling on the side. <laughs> it's crazy. Right. But like if that jumpsuit uh, was made by a company, right? And it was part of our narrative that this company made that jumpsuit for you. Yeah. That's, that feels really good to me. Do you think it's just that we don't know, and I say we as an industry, don't necessarily know how to price? Yeah, I don't know how to price it. If someone was like, hey, I want to put um, branded coffee mugs on your table every podcast you do. Interviews with guests, you and Colin sitting, every podcast has this branded coffee mug. I have no idea what I would price that. Yeah. I think we don't have frameworks to price that. Mm -hmm. That's now getting into like endorsement territory, like celebrity endorsement territory that I don't think we've been in yet. Um, and it comes with potentially no guaranteed call out. Exactly. Right? Which is the interesting yeah. thing that we may have a sponsored mug or something, but there's nothing in the contract that says we will bring I, it up. I also don't know how like FTC guidelines work with True. that, right? Like, do you say this is a sponsor? Do you like, how do you, how do you approach that? There's gotta be something in there though. I mean, if you watch, I remember watching Transformers 
one time. Yeah, right. They had and the Chevy famous, yeah. trucks are just like I remember. Yeah, they they something got published about like the amount of money that that yeah. was paid uh, in terms of product placement right. for that movie, and it was just like absurd. And uh, you're watching, and you are kind of realizing, or you watch uh, any of the Fast and the Furious movies, like the amount of times you notice. I've only seen two of them. I've seen a decent amount. The amount of times you notice. Would you make a steak and watch Vin Diesel movies all night? <laughs> yeah, I'm like becoming real manly these days on the weekends. Uh, yeah, you realize like product placement is a real thing and there's there's no disclaimer. Like Vin Diesel doesn't turn and look to you and say like, hey, just so you know. Yeah. The, we the, got paid for these Chevy trucks. I, I, I hope to continue following this and seeing how it goes um, because I think what would be better, if you're a company that's interested in doing this, maybe throw out the first rate because we don't know how these should be priced, but like creators, I think are open to this for sure. Of course, it's, it's super interesting to do, um, but we don't know how to price this. So it's also evergreen. It lives in the video forever because it's a part of the production. Mm -hmm. So it should be priced accordingly that like this thing can be viewed forever. Yep. I don't know, man. I'm really interested in it though. I think it's a great form of monetization for creators. Agreed. Do you All think right. you charge more or less than a typical integration for something like this? That's a good question. Um, yeah, it depends. Like, yeah. depends Ma on the brand, who's interested. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Marilyn just asked us, would we charge more or less for product placement? I, my gut says more hmm. because it's a part of the entire episode. It's more integrated. I would do it across multiple episodes. It'd be, I just think it feels. Yeah. Something that, makes me think if it's, if it's the entire year or something like that, it would have to be pretty high because the yeah. brand association of that brand in the background right. with our show and us is really high. I also don't think I would do it that passively. You know what I mean? Like I think I would make an acknowledgement of it. I would be uncomfortable not making some level of acknowledgement of like we're using these Adobe cups. Well, it depends know. if that's the deal. That's I guess, the, yeah. But I'm just saying for the audience's experience, like I would yeah. want to make it, uh, I would make it a bit hmm. of some type. Yeah. I don't know. Someone make us an offer so we can go through a mock negotiation on that. <laughs> or uh, a real negotiation. Maybe there's something. Oh, man. I don't know. Maybe Re someone pitches us something. Relax, dude. For mugs. <laughs> Looking for a mug sponsor. All right. I don't know if you know, but I'm the money guy in this. You are the money guy. That's right. Uh, all right. From the press. In your recent Dream podcast, I noticed that in the thumbnail, you changed the color of the hoodie he was wearing to green. When in that podcast, he's wearing a blue hoodie. Is there an interesting reason for this? That was a recommendation that actually came straight from the Discord. Straight from the cord. And, you know, Dream, his marquee color is that green that yeah. you now see in the thumbnail. So uh, someone suggested that by association, if someone's scrolling really quickly, they would see that color. And that color in the mask would make them think Dream and then want to click. Right. So it, it actually, that thumbnail was made by someone in the Discord. That's right, yeah. Which yeah, was super cool. They changed it. It they, looked perfect. So yeah. I just, I said, yeah, okay, I'll replace it. Great. Yeah, it was a good idea. It was just like that. It's the question of like in a split second, do you understand what's happening here? Mm -hmm. And so whatever you can do to just create that, you know, I, I think it was smart to to say, hey, what's the, the association with Dream? It's that green color. Mm -hmm. Made sense? They, they sent it to us in Discord of like, here's before, here's after. It was like, that's a great idea. Yep. Probably one of the most interesting things of having a Discord full of creators. It's amazing. <laughs> it's great. Okay, I, I like this question. I think it's a healthy debate. Um, Patreon public dollars. Hide it or show it? This comes from Hansa. Hey guys, I'm wondering if I should keep the amount of money we're making on Patreon public. It's 300 people and $2,000 a month. Any pros, cons, or suggestions? Thanks, Hansa. 
I selfishly enjoy when yeah, creators right. make it public. And there are a lot of creators, specifically podcasters. Who, who keep it public. Who keep it public. And yeah. they have crazy dollar amounts. Yeah. But I find it to be really interesting. It's like this gamification almost where you want to see how many other people are getting on board and how much money is your creator making. I don't know. I find it interesting that like maybe I reward the transparency and I join. But it's going to yeah, be a case-to-case -case basis. Like some it, people may see the amount of money you're making and be like, eh, I don't know, I guess. But if they want the content, they want the content. What does it matter? So so something that's interesting, um, granted TMG has moved, I think, most of their stuff to, um, to fourth wall, but um, they used to have a public number on Patreon. They no longer do. Um, I think what was really interesting when when TMG first started, they had a goal with their Patreon. They said, if we make, I think it was like $4,000 or $5,000 a month, then Noel can leave his job and do the podcast full time. Mm -hmm. Then you're creating like a public number. That's like Kickstarter. Yeah, that's like a goal, um, which I think is cool. When that surpasses and goes to $90,000, $100,000 a month, I don't know. Should that be public? Does Schultz and Flagrant reveal their number? Uh, it's a good question. Yes, $77,000 a month. So that's that's on there, yeah. Hmm. It's public. Um, I don't know. I, I, we, we're in this amazing world of like financial transparency in the creator economy for anything that's audience or platform-based. Typically, creators are pretty transparent about. You mm -hmm. know, like um, we just had Ali Abdal on the show, which will come out next week. I'm super excited about that episode. But he's so transparent about his finances. Um, I think at times it's really inspiring and like, gives us like I like me seeing this with flagrant that they have 16,000 members and make $77,000 a month. Um, it's definitely inspiring and, and interesting to learn about that. The cons definitely would be someone being like turned off and feeling like, it's, I don't know. You're like you're getting overpaid or something. Yeah. But is that a con? Even think is like that, that a con? Does anyone think like, I don't think like that. They're already fans. So and yeah, they I, I think if I want to subscribe to flagrant, I subscribe to flagrant. Like I, I subscribe to Van Neistat's Patreon. Yeah. Because if you want the information, right. Or you want yeah, the episode, just do it. You're probably not going to look at how much they're making and be like, okay, I'm not, I'm going to forego the content that I know I yeah. want to pay for because they are. And I think too many people are already paying for it. I think also like good content. You're excited when the creator's doing well. You should be excited. Yeah. Like Van Neistat, I didn't even know this. He's doing $15,000 a month on, on Patreon. Um, that's awesome. When I subscribed, it was smaller than that. It was probably under 10K. Yeah. I don't like not buy things I want because the companies are doing well. Right. You know what I right. mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I guess the the pros are you can set goals, which is good, and have your community feel like they're they're supporting a goal. The cons would be anyone who feels like it's, I don't know, like cocky or something, but- I, I guess those people wouldn't subscribe to you anyway. Anyone who feels exactly. like turned off by the public number wouldn't subscribe to you anyway. They're probably not enough so, of a fan to care. I guess I've just convinced myself that there's no cons to it. If there's cons, please put it in the comments because I maybe I'm maybe I'm like totally missing what the cons are here. All right, Colin, we are now in the deep end fully. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Deep, deep in the deep end. All right, happy to be here. Um, I have a gripe. Great. May I share? Please. Okay. So I went to go see permission Opp to gripe. <laughs> permission to gripe. I went to go see Oppenheimer. Permission granted. Uh, which was fine, good story, but it was fine. Uh, okay, a bit too long. Um, now I sit down, and they play one trailer. Trailer is fun. Okay, good time. I'm at the movies. Nice. Next trailer starts. Starts out kind of like okay, this is a horror movie. Something's something's strange about this. 
And then it gets like nightmarish. And it is a trailer for the new Exorcist movie. And it is a complete, like the entire theater, my entire row had their hands over their eyes. And I did that too then. Mm. And I was just like, ah, no. And it was like, like it gave me a horrible feeling. And then it ends. And then Oppenheimer started. Yeah, and I was like, I think you should ask, you should have to ask for consent for that kind of trailer. Like, that was crazy. Anyone in the theater who's like, freaked out like me of things like that. Yeah. I didn't know I was signing up to just be traumatized. I feel the same way about screens on airplanes. It's like, if you want to watch a horror movie to the right of me, <laughs> you should ask my consent because I've got to live with that screen uh, for the next hour and a half. Yeah, I don't feel that way. Come on. Yeah, I don't feel that way because you can just not look at it. No, no, no. You can't not look at it. It's there. You see it. That's a valid gripe. You're breaking the laws of gripes right oh, now. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I doubled up. Yeah, I threw violation. a gripe on a gripe. Yeah, but you threw like a non- I didn't give you full space for your gripe. Yeah, you threw a non-gripe on top of my gripe. That's a, no, <laughs> mine's, mine's a real gripe. I'd like everyone to vote. What was the better gripe? <laughs> Mine was a better gripe. Nah, but yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, it's not a competition. Gripes are not a competition. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but that, that was like a, I, I was like shocked when they did that. I was like, that, that was crazy. Mm. Like you shouldn't, this is like a, this is like a movie of the summer that everyone wants to see. And then you play that trailer beforehand. That's crazy. That is crazy. Um, I'll offer up a delight. Please. The Barbie movie. It was good. Great time. It's just like great time. Like just a fun time. Yeah. Interesting, thought provoking. And the marketing behind it. Obviously, yeah, I mean, it was, was crazy. Yeah. Wild. It was crazy. It was crazy. It made over a billion dollars. I saw already, it which in is Amsterdam crazy. and it was crazy. The theater was packed with people wearing pink. Yeah, that's amazing. Like how incredible yeah, they were able to get amazing. people all over the world to show up to theaters wearing pink. That's incredible. Um, Speaking of incredible, I do want to shout out Yes Theory. I think their last two videos have been two of my favorite videos of the year um, on YouTube. I'm so happy they're nominated for editing at the Streamies and something we didn't talk about. We're nominated again hey. at the Streamies. Um, we're nominated in the education category. We are up against very stiff competition. Uh, Veritasium, Tom Scott, some of the best educators on YouTube. I look at that category and I'm like, don't give it to us, you know? Like, I'm so happy to be nominated. I'm, I love being a part of the Streamies. Uh, I had a great time last year. Wow, different vibe from last year. Different vibe. last year we were nominated. And I know, we were pretty and I, wanted, and I wanted to win. But I, yeah. I look at this and I'm like, I, I watched one of Veritasium's recent videos and I was like, that team is so good yeah. at making videos. They should win that category. So you're just, you're honored to be in the same category. You're honored to be nominated. I don't even know that we should be in the same category wow. um, of education. What and a I, difference a year makes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Last make, year, you're like, we deserve to win the yeah, whole yeah, thing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, I just don't think, even put us in there. You know, uh, it, it kind of inspires me to push a bit more and be like, okay, they're making really compelling education. Yeah. And I feel an immense sense of pride in the course that we're building and making that like the best educational product we can. Mm -hmm. And as I'm watching more of the educational creators on YouTube, I'm like, they are so good. Like, even I would consider Cleo Abram a part of that yeah, that contingent, definitely. like just so good at making me care. They're putting so much effort into every video. So it's much, crazy. yeah. So I'm I'm pumped about the streamies. I I really I hope yes, theory wins. Uh, me too. The editing because I think their editing is just has, it's just for years and years and years they've been doing such hard videos. You mm -hmm. know, like documentaries on a regular basis. Yeah. I think that should be honored. Um, and the last thing I'll say is congrats to the whole Mr. Beast team. When we had Jimmy on on the show, he was it, the probably the first time ever he was like, listen, I had to talk to my team and be like, 
our next video is probably not going to be a one out of 10. If it's a one out of 10, that means we broke the world record for most viewed video on YouTube in 24 hours. So let's just temper our expectations. And they did it. They did it. They broke the world record for most viewed video on YouTube in 24 hours with seven days stranded at sea, which looked like a miserable time. <laughs> I was I, I mean, was like, yeah, creators oh have God, done things guys. similar to that. Yeah. And it just every time it seems miserable. The Try Guys spoke to us about that. Yeah, it wasn't and as Keith long. Was it wasn't saying, as long. Yeah. Like <laughs> at some point you just everyone just starts vomiting. Yeah. It yeah, like, yeah. No, it insane. Uh -uh. I was like, Jimmy, that is uh, discomfort. I will hang out here in the deep end. Totally. I don't need to go to the open no, ocean. No, 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 no. I will say though, I loved the personalities in that video. Like I thought it was so much more focused on like a group of people doing something. And you know, that to me is my favorite type of YouTube. When you get to know the personalities, you get to know their quirks, you get to know like how they would react in these uncomfortable situations. You know, again, it feels like yes theory to me where it's like fun groups of people doing interesting things. You know what I really want to do? Yeah. Is a studio tour again. We did a bunch of those last year. Oh, with someone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With totally. someone. Yeah, I would love that. Whose studio should we tour? Put that in the comments if you're here in the deep end. And thank you for being here in the deep end. That's the end of this episode. We'll see you next week.